be sharing with you guys for a little while now. Um, and I have to be honest with you, uh, whether you normally come to church or whether you've never been in a church before, um, actually what I'm sharing this morning um, may make people feel equally uncomfortable because no one actually wants to talk about what I'm going to share with you guys this morning. So there's something to look forward to. Um, not only that, uh, people don't want to talk about it, but they don't want to admit to it either. And even less than that, they really don't want to be accused of it. And so this morning, now that you're all really excited and happy to be here, we are going to be talking about the topic of pride. Um, and what does this mean in terms of these guys who have made this incredible decision to follow Jesus, to actually uh, say, my life is not about me. I have had an encounter with God and my life is now about him. Uh, so that's where we're going to be landing. So before we start, could you maybe make a new friend, chat to the person next to you, make sure no one's left out, and say, how would you define pride? How would you define pride? What does it mean? What does it look like? I'm just going to sort myself out here and let you guys have a chat. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys to draw those conversations to a close. Those eagle-eyed amongst you may have seen that my slide popped up, so you may have cheated a little. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, a really good definition of pride that I have found is that pride is about a preoccupation with yourself. It is uh, making things all about you. It is uh, your whole world revolving around you, you being the topic of your thoughts and what is your thoughts are consumed by you being the thing that you are motivated by, you being the thing that you spend most time considering. And you might say to me, Laura, I'm human. This is just what humans do. And I would say, yes. And hasn't it got us into a pickle? Um, you see, I really don't believe that that is what we were created for. And that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about this morning. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, I want you guys to know, particularly if you don't normally come to church, this is not about guilt this morning. Uh, the more I've looked into pride, the more I've realised that I am absolutely riddled with it. I stand up here as someone who is one of the worst amongst us, I'm sure, in this area. And so I really am, you know, talking out of experience. Um, this is not a guilt thing. Pride is important. It's important that we have some level of pride. Um, we, we have pride in order to have a healthy self-esteem. In order to have good mental health, we need to have some pride. In order to get better at stuff, we need to take pride in things. In order for things to go from average to excellent, there needs to be some pride. The fact that you got up today, had a wash, put some clothes on and came here means that you have some pride. And I am so grateful. Thank you for putting clothes on. It really makes this morning a lot easier to deal with. We need pride in our lives. It's important. However, I believe an excess of pride can be a real problem. Uh, and I guess I want to talk to you about it like I would talk about the state of my bedroom. Um, I think something's supposed to happen in life when you kind of hit maybe your mid-twenties, I don't know, where all of a sudden you know how to be an adult. Uh, you are clean and organized. Your house is tidy. Uh, you know what you're doing that evening and you don't forget things. You know what you're doing with your life. Um, something didn't quite click with me in that mid-twenties step and my bedroom is living evidence of this. Now, I do clean my house. Uh, my, my technique is that if people are coming round, I tidy my house and my house looks tidy 
in the places where people are going to see. And so my house will get increasingly untidy the further you go up my house. I have three floors because often people don't venture to the third floor and never venture to my bedroom. And so what I do is I tidy my house and I clean my house, but so often my bedroom is a complete tip and I will just shut the door so anyone who comes can't see that part of my life. Um, and I kind of operate in that space and so often become accustomed to the mess that is there. So often, just get used to living in this state of mess. And every so often, I will tidy my room. But most of the time, the messy parts of my house are the parts that people don't see. But every so often, and this sounds a little weird, I will send people pictures from my bedroom, let me clarify. So for example, I will be going somewhere and someone will say, hey, Laura, what are you going to wear? Or I will send someone a picture of this top that I've bought and so I'll take a picture of that piece of clothing. I'll be about to send it and all of a sudden I see in the background of the picture is the state of my bedroom and I go, oh, no, maybe I'll just describe this one and, uh, and just send words rather than any pictures. But all of a sudden, seeing that picture and seeing it through fresh eyes makes me realise what a mess my bedroom often is. And I want to talk about pride, I guess, in that context. This morning, I want to kind of maybe talk uh, and give us an opportunity to look at something with fresh eyes that we may be so accustomed to living in that we just don't notice. And what if, although this is an issue that I have, what if some others of us had an issue with this and actually it would be helpful to talk about? So that is what we're going to do for a few minutes this morning. Now, I would love to show you a quote uh, about pride, a quote that I read. Um, this is uh, from a guy called R.T. Kendall and it here, it is pride. It describes those who are resent criticism, who are insecure, who cannot laugh at themselves, whose need of praise is constant, who see themselves as overly important, who fancy themselves as being very special to God and think God bends the rules for them, who tend to blame others for their problems, who hate taking the blame, who cannot bear get, not getting the credit for the good that they did and have an insatiable need to prove themselves. I found that difficult to read. However, the next slide. Is that you? Take heart. I just described virtually every person whom God has ever used. And so this morning I want to talk about pride and be honest with you and say it is everywhere and it goes deep. And sometimes I don't believe we recognise how deep our, our, our own pride can go, but it has been a problem right back from the beginning. Um, at the beginning of time, before God created the world, God existed outside of time and space. That's a created concept. So God existed and he existed with the angels. And there was this one angel, Lucifer, and um, he developed a preoccupation with himself. Uh, and over uh, the existence that he had in relationship with God, he began to see himself as more important than God, that things revolved around him. And uh, even to the point that he would place his, himself and his own importance above God. And we read this about him in Isaiah. Uh, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. 
Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. And so this preoccupation with himself broke Lucifer's relationship with God. And Lucifer, you may know him as the devil or Satan. He couldn't be in existence with God anymore and therefore was separated from him. And God creates this incredible world with a human race who is designed to be in relationship with God. Us, whose lives are designed to be centered around God. And Lucifer, his pride cannot allow that to happen because that means it's not about him. And so he gets to work destroying humanity's uh, relationship with God, the human race's relationship with God through the very thing that destroyed him. And this is from Genesis 3, verses 2 to 4. It says this. Um, Sorry, God, uh, in the beginning of time, put this, this tree in the garden and said to humanity, to Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree. That's the one thing I would ask you not to do. And Satan says, hey, God said you can't eat from that. Uh, And the woman says this, of course, you may eat from the trees, fruit of the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it is only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, for if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. And this is verse five. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. His desire to be like God was spoken into humanity and we reacted to it. And from the beginning of time, pride has been woven in to who we are and what we carry. Um, An example. Uh, Sometimes I like to run. Not when it's hot. I don't like running when it's hot. Um, But... I like to run and uh, a few weeks ago I was running, for those of you who know the Hales Owen area a little bit, um, I was running towards Romley, up towards a couple of the pubs up in that area and there is what I would consider um, a significant incline. There is a real hill going in that direction and I was running and it was hot and I was thinking, Laura, you've done so well, maybe you should just stop and walk for a little while now just to congratulate yourself on how well you've done. And uh, I started to slow down and then all of a sudden ahead of me on this path, this family come out from this dirt track having taken their dog for a walk, so some adults and some kids and a dog and all of a sudden I have an audience. And I decide I'm not going to stop running. What will they think of me? Uh, They'll think that I can't run. They'll think that I'm unfit. They'll notice my purple face and that I can have a purple face as long as I'm running. If I'm walking, that's not okay. And so I think, right, I'm not going to let them think that about me. I'm going to keep on going. And so I dug deep and I ran up that hill. And by the time I got to the top of a hill, I was a mess. I didn't know whether I wanted to be sick. I didn't know whether I wanted to pass out. I didn't know whether I was going to be sick and then pass out in it. It was just a really bad place. And, um, and I thought, what on earth led me to wanting to get myself into this state? The answer, ladies and gentlemen, was pride. I mean, what on earth made me think that that family would even notice some sweaty, purple-faced woman running past them, let alone be bothered about whether I was running or not? They're not going to stop their conversation to comment on my existence, my, my athletic prowess as I trot past them going for a run. Something in that situation, despite this lovely family spending some time together, something inside me wanted me to make that about me. And I do it so, so often. Other examples of where we may do this might be around areas of conflict. It might be that someone has fallen out with us or whether we have fallen out with someone else where things have been said or or messages have been sent and we take offence to those things. And offence is a real sign of pride. We get offended. How could you say that to me? Um, 
And what happens is things are said and, and we get hurt. But I want to tell you something. And I shared this with the young people a couple of weeks ago. You may be the subject of what they said. And it might be that you need to apologize for some stuff. And it might even be that you need to learn from some things. But whilst you were the subject of what they spoke about, the reaction that they gave you was not about you. The reaction that they gave you was something about what is going on in them, a brokenness within them. But when we're in conflict, our pride makes everything about us. What they said is about me, about who I am. How dare they say that to me? And so we react and it ramps up. Or maybe pride is about, for those of you who come here regularly, we walk in on a Sunday and we don't like the talk because it didn't encourage us. No one spoke to me at the end of the service. No one has spoken to me in weeks. I want to serve somewhere and no one's invited me. I don't like the music. It's not my style. I don't like the lights. They're way too bright. I don't like the chairs. They get all hot and sweaty. We make things about us so, so easily. How about our money? If you looked at your bank account, and I'm so glad you can't see mine, but if you looked at your bank account for the last month, how much of what you spend is about your own comfort, your own desires, your own needs? How do you view your gifts? Are your gifts something that you make better in order to further yourself, or do you really see them as a gift and a service to those around you? Pride is so sewn in to who we are. This idea of having a preoccupation with ourselves but what we've talked about so far, that's kind of like, um, like the positive pride. I want to I ask you to just bear with me for a second and almost uh, begin to reshape your understanding of pride a little. Because I believe there's a kind of a positive pride, but I believe there's a kind of negative pride as well. There's a, a pride that leads us to real brokenness and pain and hurting. Because if the definition of pride we're working with is a preoccupation with yourself, then I really believe that things like low self-esteem severe anxiety or just being worried, um, insecurity, these things come out of pride as well. But not because we think we're amazing, but because we cannot move beyond our own pain, our own brokenness. We cannot get beyond our own situation. Pride is really mugging us off. And I really believe that God does not call us to live a life of pain and hurt. You see, as long as we are at the center of our own world, we are going to be continuing to keep striving, to keep proving ourselves, to work harder, to be better, to, to fix ourselves or to fix the situation. When I believe that if you are a human being in this room, God looks at you and says, your life was created to be about me. Why? Because you are a child of God. You are loved. You are secure. I want to set you free from this need to prove yourself, this need to every time someone mentions something in a conversation, make it known that you got the credit for that thing. Or when someone is talking about someone else, just chip in to make yourself look good as well. You were designed for so much more than that. And if you uh, are here this morning and you don't follow Jesus and, and you don't know Jesus, then I would really encourage you to ask any of these guys here that are getting baptised about what it is that they have found in their relationship with Jesus that has made them want to put him at the centre. If you go to church and you come here regularly, I want to say something a little stronger to you that I would also say to myself. It is not about you. There is a broken and hurting world. And as long as our eyes are on ourselves, it's going to stay broken and it's going to stay hurting. And I don't think we can afford that. God died for us. 
God loves you so much, not so that we could become nice, fat, comfortable Christians, but so that things wouldn't be about us, that we would give ourselves away to see a world healed and to see a world changed. So what's this got to do with baptism? What's this got to do with this lovely, warm swimming pool here? Um, I want to show you a Bible verse in Philippians. It says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't be humble. Oh, be humble. Do be humble. Uh, Thinking, (laughs) oh, I won't be allowed to speak again. Uh, Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You know, everybody who is getting baptised this morning, each person who shared their story has had an encounter with Jesus and has saying today, my life is about Jesus. This isn't about me anymore. I recognise who God says I am. I recognise that I am free, that I don't have to try harder, work more, be better. This isn't about me. This is about God. And God proved that by going on some mad anti-pride campaign. God could have claimed everything, but he gave up everything, becoming a human being, coming to earth getting on his knees and cleaning the feet of those people that followed him. Those same people from the race that said, this is about me. He got on his knees, he cleaned their feet and then went to die on a cross, a humiliating death. But he couldn't stay dead because he was God. And so he came back to life and he defeated pride, defeated brokenness, defeated hurt and pain. And today I believe he wants to offer that to you. That freedom, that sense of freedom. And for for these guys here today, they have made that decision. You see, when they go down into the water, that represents uh, Jesus dying, Jesus giving up his rights, Jesus giving up and defeating pride and all that is wrong with this world. And when they come back out the water, that represents new life, that Jesus came back to life. And these guys have new life, life not about them, not about making themselves happy, but being in love with a God that has changed their world and loving other people as well. And so I want to invite you guys this morning to join them, not in the pool. The pool's small, you guys will get really wet. But maybe we could join them in attitude and in posture. Maybe we could say, do you know what? Maybe I could look at this preoccupation with myself. How much of me is about me and how is that going? What would it look like for all of my life to truly be about Jesus? To seeing the broken healed? Those people that don't know Jesus coming to know them for the first time. And if you don't know Jesus here this morning... What would it look like for you to be set free? And so I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to invite the band back up to the stage. If you are a part of the baptism team and need to go and get changed, this is your cue. Very clear. Um, But if the rest of us could stand to our feet, I am going to pray for us as we continue with our morning. Jesus, I thank you so much that you gave up your life for us. God, I thank you that we can be set free from ourselves, from our own brokenness, our own need to prove ourselves and protect ourselves, to fight for our own rights, that God, you fight for us. God, where we have become accustomed to our own mess, help us to see where we have made things about us and we say that we're sorry. 
And we want to make things about you again today. And so we thank you for these incredible guys that are going to be baptized in a minute. And we say, God, help us to live a life that is much more about you than it is about us.